Good morning. Welcome again to South Suburban Christian Church as we are on our fourth of five sermons in our series derailed. As you can see behind me, Vacation Bible School is underway. Uh, we are uh, going to be welcoming uh, children from all over our community in the area beginning tomorrow. And uh, we are excited and looking forward to meeting uh, old friends, new friends, and continuing uh, great relationships with uh, the friends that we have. So uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining us this morning, and I'm grateful that uh, you have come uh, to be with us. We want to also encourage you that uh, we are having in-person worship uh, at 9 and 11 o'clock. A contemporary service is at 9 o'clock, and our traditional service is at 11 we pray that as you feel comfortable, that you'll come back and be a part as we uh, lift our voices in song, get into God's Word, and gather around the Lord's table to celebrate the Lord's Supper each week here at South Sub Church. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Uh, as you're looking uh, for that text, Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. want to just lift up a big shout out to all of our dads. Uh, we are celebrating Father's Day. Uh, grateful for your work and your ministry. Uh, for those of you who uh, have uh, 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 responsibility for uh, our young people, which, by the way, is all of the men of the faith uh, as uh, spiritual fathers in our, in our midst. Also, we're celebrating and looking at Juneteenth, uh, the uh, awareness and recognition of uh, the correction of a horrific uh, event that occurred in our nation's history, uh, ending finally and completely slavery here in the United States, uh, and celebrating the gift that God has given to all of us, that we're all a part of the human race and the human family. So uh, uh, we're going to be looking a little bit at that as we delve into this Acts chapter 2 passage. So if you found it, look with me now, beginning in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Here ends the reading of God's holy and perfect word. May he add his blessings and his understanding to it. Amen. <clears throat> so this is actually um, the, the, the text that our young people are going to be studying um, and they're going to be looking at another passage of Scripture that I did not read to you today, but I'd like for you to take a note, uh, go back and look at it and study it. And it's from Acts chapter 4, uh, uh, beginning in verse 32 through verse 35. And it accentuates uh, the description of the mutuality that the early church had. Uh, but for the sake of the, the focus that I'd like to bring today, we're just going to be looking at that first section, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. The first point that I want to share with you today, and I only have two points for you today, 
but the first uh, point that I want to share with you is, is, number one, the church has always been, is, and shall always be the church. You know, as uh, I began to look at this text, I began to, to think about and, and was reminded of the past 13 months. It has been a long journey, maybe even a little bit longer than 13 months as we were heading up into this in uh, January, February, and then finally into March of 2020. And yet at the same time, it feels like it was yesterday. I, I, can't, uh, I can't really believe where the time has gone. I was uh, telling Shauna, my wife, uh, about you know, just the tremendous toll this has taken on so many of us. And I, I, I'm not uh, negating the, the, the toll that it has taken on you and your families, uh, but serving in the church where we have done life together one particular way, that is in community, and then for almost 13 months, you know, little spaces in there where we did come back together for a brief period of time. It, it's been a long 13 months, and at the same time, um, I remember when we just were entering lockdown and it was uh, and, and I can't I'd have to go back and look at the, the the recordings you can go to our YouTube channel and look at them but uh, around Easter 2020 uh, it became perfectly uh, clear to us that we were in for a long haul that things were going to be different for a extended period of time each morning I remember uh, waking up the first thing that I would do is I would check the case numbers on the little websites that uh, uh, the state of Colorado and the CDC were maintaining with uh, infection rates. I was frankly expecting them each morning that they would just start leveling out and then they would decline. And they never did that. And I can remember very vividly when Pastor Joe and I first met, just the two of us sat down and we had to come to grips with the fact that we were going to be going forward as the church, but very differently in identifying, you know, the, uh, the work that we would need to do with various groups in our church. Uh, me with the governing board, our council of elders, he with our outreach team and our hospitality teams. I remember when um, James, our communications director, had just come on and, and we were filming up here and and uh, we looked at a particular text together that sort of launched how we were going to do church through the pandemic. Some of you might remember. It was the text that I read to you today. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That was our game plan, brothers and sisters. That was where the rubber hit the road. We were firmly committed to that model of faith. It is how we were going to make our way through the pandemic. We were going to keep teaching the faith that has stood the test of time for 2,000 years. We were going to intentionally look for opportunities for fellowship whenever we could, particularly in areas of outreach. We were going to encourage and facilitate the breaking of bread. Breaking bread in your own homes with your family and your friends, coming here for drive-through communions, and we would never, ever, ever neglect the calling of the people of God together in prayer. Now, since the time of Christ, since Christ 
uh, lived, died, was raised from the dead, and ascended to the Father, there have been throughout human history, or, or throughout those 2,000 years of human history, 125 major wars. Most of those wars in the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries. Now, I'm talking about real world wars, the kind of wars that engulf large regions of the world. I'm not, I didn't count, you know, border skirmishes or tribal disagreements, but 125 large-scale mobilization where history was at stake and how we experience life together were impacted by the outcome of those particular wars. 125 of them. The plague, the Black Death, swept across the Mediterranean world in 541 A.D., killing countless number of people. We don't know exactly how many people died, but we know that commentators at the time said that there was no one left to die. 800 years later, it came back and ravaged Europe in 1347, killing over 200 million people in just four years. From that point, it resurfaced every decade, every 10 years for the next 300 years. And estimates are that each time it uh, surfaced, it would uh, claim 20% of the population. In the first few centuries, Christianity, as it was going into the world and proclaiming the gospel for about the first 300 years. It grew quickly. But by about, uh, some say 100, 125, 150, uh, the church of Jesus Christ was predominantly Gentile and not Jewish as it had been in the first century. By 200, the year 200, the faith had permeated every single region of the Roman Empire. And Evidence, archaeological evidence, is suggesting that it had also permeated places throughout Asia as well. Christians at that time were generally in more urban areas, uh, major cities at the time, much like Rome or Gaul. By 325, it was estimated that 7 million Christians lived, uh, certainly within the Roman Empire, if not on planet Earth, and during that same period of time, two million Christians were killed for their faith. Now, the growth of this new faith of Christianity was largely uh, assumed to be because uh, the church was the kind of, of entity that met the needs across cultural barriers. Uh, it gave meaning to life for many. There was an overall transformation of an individual's life. What they considered important before they were Christians was cast to the side for the eternal purposes of God made known to us through Jesus Christ. The church was the first social institution in the Roman Empire and the Western world that took seriously the social concerns of those who were struggling during things like the plague, sickness, poverty, and power, especially slavery. News of the resurrection of Jesus Christ produced loyalty among its members, among its followers. And Christian martyrdom, that is, is dying for the faith, 
The word martyrdom simply means to give testimony. And they gave their testimony through the giving of their lives. And because of the Christians' willingness to suffer and to die, it created vast interest in and respect for Christians throughout the Roman Empire. Now, there's a whole list of reasons of why Christians were persecuted. Uh, that may be for another Bible study or message altogether. And I know that some of you really hate these history lessons that I give, but here's the point that I want to share with you. And it's the point that I don't want you to leave today without having fully understood and accepted in your heart. And that is this. Neither war nor plague, nor persecution ever has stopped the church of Jesus Christ from being the church. You see, when we were led to this Acts chapter 2, verse 42 text at the beginning of this pandemic, uh, which at that time was just the assigned reading uh, that we were given uh, in the season of Easter, and then as the Holy Spirit, in His sovereignty, returned us to this passage of Scripture, as we've been focusing on these Vacation Bible School Bible lessons, it is the perfect moment to recognize it was Acts 2.42 where we begin, where we began, and it's Acts 2.42 where we begin again. Now, I know that life has changed. Life's always changing, sometimes slowly, other times more quickly. But through all that time, through the time from Christ's ascension after His resurrection to today, from the time of the beginning of this pandemic to today, the church has always been faithful in serving the poor and liberating the enslaved and establishing hospitals and universities, and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of that work, all of that ministry, is grounded in the basic purpose and model of what the church does. When we assemble each week, when we assemble as the people of God, we do these four things that has been done since the time of the New Testament. We take seriously the need to be instructed in the apostles' teachings, which is the Scriptures. We believe fervently in Christian fellowship with one another. We understand the sustenance and liberating power of what it means to break bread together at the Lord's table with the receiving of Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. And of course, the power of a life disciplined and focused on prayer. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The second and final point that I want to share with you today is, is the uh, I, I kind of struggle with this one, so I might change it by the time we get to the end of it. But as we begin this, this point, this focus on this point, it's essentially this, point two, the head and the body go together. <laughs> I have a friend, a really good friend, who is a Roman Catholic priest, 
And he calls the Christianity of today a decapitated Christianity. Well, that's kind of a quippy comment, isn't it? And might not sit right with us. So let's just take a few moments and unpack what it means when we talk about the head and the body being together. Let's begin with Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 22, let me read that to you. There's this long section. By the way, we're going to be coming up on a series in Ephesians. I'm excited to be sharing that with you. But in chapter 1, verse 20, in this long explanation, as Paul is trying to draw the comparison between the believer and God and Jesus Christ, <clears throat> at verse 20, he's beginning to talk about Christ and what God has done through Christ, that he worked in Christ, verse 20, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is a named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Here it is. And he put all things under his feet, that is Jesus, under Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is supreme over all. Scripture says that God gave Jesus as head over all things, which is his body. Jesus is the head of the church because of his primary role in creation. In John chapter 1, uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1, we read that Jesus is the word that all things were created and are maintained because of the Word. That Jesus speaks all things into existence that exist. L let, me, let me explain that. J just think of yourself. Say your name. Jesus called you into existence. He spoke your name and you came to be. Not just the mountains and the trees and the rivers and all that exists, but you, your family. Jesus is the head because of His primary role in our redemption. It is His blood that covers the sins of the world. It is His life that is seen as our life. It is His death that was for our death. Jesus founded the church. The church is not some organization of, of old people who thought it would be a good idea to come together. Jesus' idea for His continued work in the world was through the church, through you and through me together. He brought forth the church and gave it life through His death and His resurrection. And tradition holds that the church was born from the pierced heart of Christ on the cross. It's always been that big debate whether the church was founded at Pentecost when we received the Holy Spirit or was it founded at the crucifixion when the heart of Christ was pierced. But before we get too far into this, let's look at another passage of Scripture as well. For just as the body, this is from 1 Corinthians, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. 
But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Our union with Christ in the church is called the mystical body of Christ. We talked about that last week when we were looking at what happens at the Lord's table. That at the Lord's table, the mystical body of Christ is called together. Christ loves and cares for the church as He does His own body, for it is His body. And through the sacraments, through baptism, through the Lord's Supper, we are joined to Christ, but we're also joined to one another. We each have a role, brothers and sisters, in building up the body. And each of us have been given gifts to fulfill that role. The same Spirit that flowed through Christ flows also through us enabling us to help one another, enabling us to proclaim the good news, enabling us to stand in the midst of war, plague, and martyrdom. And as Christ's body here today, we share in His work. Through us, the church, Christ continues the work of salvation. He speaks and He acts through His church. Through us, Christ shows forth the love of God for the human race. We are united with Christ in His suffering so that someday we may be united in His glory. As a matter of fact, Jesus expressed our union with Him in this way. In John chapter 15, one of my favorite passages of Scripture where Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. You see, we draw forth our life from Him, especially at the Lord's table. He promised, whoever eats my flesh, flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. John chapter 6, verse 56. We should grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. In other words, we are called to strive to resemble Jesus Christ in this community and throughout the world. Now, you remember my buddy, the Roman Catholic priest? Father Andy is his name, by the way. He may be watching, I don't know. In his experience, he says he has lots of his members who, are you ready? Love the head, Jesus, but not the body, the church. They want all the benefits of the head. The grace, the mercy, the love, the peace. But they don't want any of the responsibility of being a part of the body. And that's what he meant when he said, in our world today, we have a decapitated Christianity. I don't disagree with him. But in some ways, I wonder if the opposite is also true for many Christians today. Particularly in the Protestant church. That might be the problem that the Roman church has, but I think that the Protestant church may have the exact opposite problem. And that is this. Man, they love the body. They love the fellowship. 
but they're uncomfortable sometimes submitting to the head, Jesus Christ. You know, love comes to the church. They, they, they have this tremendous joy in, in experiencing the fellowship of the church. They enjoy the goodwill of the church. They enjoy the strength that they receive from the assembled community of faith. But they resist the call by our head, Jesus Christ, to serve, not to be served. To be concerned about the other and not to be concerned about themselves. Decapitate Christianity. Well, we all come to the church for different reasons, don't we? Some of us come because we're compelled by family members. Others come because we're searching. We know there's truth, but as of yet, it has not been revealed to us. We have not discovered it. Others of us come because it's just what we do. Some come because they love Jesus, but they're not that hip on his bride, the church. Some come because, man, they love their friends, but they don't really know what to do with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, one of the things that all of those wars and all of those pandemics and all of those moments of martyrdom allowed, in many ways they separated the wheat from the chaff. Those that remained were committed. And sometimes Christ prunes his people. These are hard words to say. <laughs> I can only imagine how hard they are to hear. You know, I'm not sure that the church is called to dumb down its message so that the world will come and be a part of it. I mean, I mean if, if, if the goal of the church is to just simply reflect the world, then we might as well just cancel everything here and go be with the world. But we're called to be a people of sacrifice. We're called to be a people of compassion. We're called to be the body of Christ. The same body that stretched out his arms upon the cross for those that would ridicule, despise, and hate him for the salvation of their souls. You know, brothers and sisters, we may very well be at one of those moments in history where Christ is pruning, where Christ is caring, where Christ is preparing us for the work that He has ahead of us. But whether we shall be interrupted again by war or plague or martyrdom, I know this, we are the church. We will be committed to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers until Christ comes again. Have you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Are you ready to commit your whole being to this Jesus who gave his life for you?
say yes to this question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and do you accept Him as Lord and Savior? If you've done that, I pray that you'll click on that button that you have accepted Christ. I also ask that you'll go to our website at southsuburban.com. There on that main page, we have a little icon for next steps with some videos for you as you consider the life and the ministry and the body into which Christ is calling you. We're beginning again. There'll be some road bumps. But because of Scripture, because of Christ, because of the model that God has given to us, we will be faithful. And I know you will be too. Let us begin. Amen.